Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of the Ingredients Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nixon. I have a really, really special guest and conversation in store for you today. My guest is none other than Garrison Hayes. He is currently a Masters of Divinity student at Andrews University. He got his bachelor's degree in undergrad in film production from Southern Adventist University. And Garrison is a Atlanta, Georgia native. Let me give you a little bit of a backstory as to why I'm having Garrison on for this discussion today. On February 9th, uh, just this past month, Andrews University invited Dr. Jamie Callisar, who's a pastor in Dallas, Texas, to come speak for a Black History Chapel. In the wake of that chapel, um, there were some students on campus, um, I'd say predominantly white, but not all white, but a predominantly white group of students were frustrated and upset by some of the things that Dr. Callisar said. Uh, We'll get into some of those things in the podcast itself, Uh, but for the purposes of just bringing you up to speed, I'll just say that there were things that he said that, in my opinion, were misconstrued, which led some of them to be upset. Um, So in the wake of that, uh, the next day, Dr. Kalasar released a letter in which he kind of further went into detail as to why he said some of the things he said to try and clarify things, Uh, but that didn't some that didn't, I guess, satisfy those who were um, upset by some of the things that he said. So long story short, a week later on February 16th, Dr. Kristen Arthur, who's the provost of Andrews University, issued what some viewed as an apology. I've heard some mixed reviews on the comments that he made, but to most who heard what he said, he essentially apologized to students who were offended by Uh, some of the things that Dr. Kalasar said. Um, And this apology uh, really, um, as I talked to Garrison about on the the pod today, and which you'll hear in a little bit, uh, frustrated mostly black students on campus who were really empowered by some of the things Dr. Kalasar said. Uh, They saw the apology as um, sort of alienating and ostracizing um, some and empowering those who discredited um, the pride that they felt after being empowered by some of the things that he said. And so two days later, on February 18th, Garrison, who I'm talking to today, along with Chaplain Michael Polite and other students, released a video which then went viral. Um, It was released under the hashtag ItIsTimeAU. And the video gave the institution one week to apologize for the systemic racism promulgated by the institution. And it also made specific demands as to steps that they wished for the institution to take in order to um, remediate some of the past harm that they've done, as well as move forward in a more positive climate. And ever since then, you know, if you are a member of our denomination in the Adventist Church, I'm sure you've come across this. Uh, but it has caused a huge amount of dialogue, and we're going to talk about that and so much more. I don't want to spoil the conversation, but I felt it was necessary to give you a little bit of an intro. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to jump right in here to part one. of This is the first hour of a two-hour conversation I have with Garrison, 
Uh, so please enjoy part one of my discussion with Garrison Hayes. All right, so welcome back, everyone, to the Ingredients Podcast. This is episode eight. Thank you so much for jumping back on with me. Uh, I have the privilege of having on Garrison Hayes. He's a seminary student at Andrews, and uh, we're going to talk about a range of different things. And uh, we, we, I think we really officially met maybe a couple months ago, and we've just kind of been dialoguing here and there about different in- issues. So, Garrison, thanks so much for jumping on with me, man. Dude, thank you so much for having me on your show. No doubt, no doubt. So before we jump into some other topics and things, I know that people are excited to hear from you on some specific stuff. I, I first of all, want to really um, just hear from you about kind of your background, your journey, really whatever you want to share, uh, kind of what brought you to where you are now, and um, and just something about just kind of what you're doing at Andrews and kind of where you see that taking you. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Garrison Hayes, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, born and bred. Um, I did my undergraduate degree in film production. I studied um, that at Southern Adventist University. Um, during my time there, found myself really engaging in uh, student leadership and ministry on campus, uh, really developing this um, appetite for ministry, loving it. Um, my last year at Southern felt God calling me into into that capacity of ministry in a full time way, hmm. and um, it was a huge step for me, breaking from the trajectory that I'd been planning to go in to be a filmmaker for ever since I could remember. Hmm. You know, breaking from that to go into ministry um, was huge, but God had been opening some doors along the way that that made it clear to me that that's what he wanted from me. Hmm. So I ended up staying at Southern for another year where I worked there as a chaplain. Um, and after that experience, I came to, to Andrews for the seminary. Um, and it has been a wild, wild ride here hmm. at Andrews. Um, been a very fun time, met a lot of dope people, um, had a lot of great experiences so far. So that's where I am today. And that's kind of how I got here. Awesome, man. So thanks for sharing that. And I guess another question I'd ask you as a follow-up is how would you compare, I guess, your experience on campus at Southern with things at Andrews? Have you found it Have you found it to be more of the same? Have you found it to be different? Are there similarities and differences? And um, I guess in light of the conversation we're getting ready to have, maybe how did your experience at Southern kind of frame your thinking for a lot of the dialogue and, and stuff that you're trying to lead out in now at Andrews? Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, so Andrews and Southern, they are very, very different in very, very many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are very similar in some mm-hmm. strange and unexpected ways. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's well known. It's actually, I think, a part of of Southern's uh, niche is that it caters to a conservative audience, right? Within Adventism. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just a part of the reality of our church. And um, that means that things are a little bit more structured and a little bit more regimented, Mm -hmm. a little bit more controlled from an administrative perspective. So at eight o'clock on a Friday night, everyone is going to be 
in the College Dale Church at Vespers. That's just the reality okay. of the campus culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas at Andrews, being one of the most diverse institutions in the entire world, yeah. um, Vespers is all about preference, and there are dozens of them, I imagine, happening. Yeah. A few main ones, but you can go any, you could be in any number of buildings, any number of places on campus, worshiping in any number of ways by eight o'clock on a Friday night. You yeah. know? Um, so that's a huge difference. What's, um, what's unfortunate is that what Southern's um, campus culture does is it kind of creates this this uh, homogeneity or this mm-hmm. monoculture in, in the way things are. Mm-hmm. It's just, just only one option. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, at Andrews, there are all of these options, but you find yourself being kind of funneled into the preference, into the stream of preference. And mm-hmm. in some ways, it becomes difficult to break from that, where I found that at, at AU, you can go your entire experience here and never really have to go deep with someone who is different than you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's possible to do that. Um, it's difficult maybe when it comes to class, the classroom, but, but when it comes to deep relationships, it's easy to get into your silo and, yeah. um, and just kind of stay there. So similar in some ways, different in some ways. Um, yeah, yeah. As it relates to to this conversation, I think um, my time at Southern perhaps sensitized me to some of um, some of those streams of thought that you sometimes see creeping up in the way that we do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those maybe um, implicit biases that that we can see coming up the remnants of certain types of thought that we see uh, kind of rearing their head, even Mm -hmm. in our extremely diverse system here and institution here at Andrews. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're a really good person to, to kind of ask this because, you know, and I I believe, so when did you start at Andrews? Because you've been, you've been there for about a year, right? Yeah, I, I've been here about, I guess, a year and a half or so. I started in May 2015. Okay. So I'm pretty sure then that, because um, there, I guess we're obviously going to talk about what happened at Andrews, but there was kind of a similar incident that happened at Southern last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think you, were, you weren't still there. You were at Andrews by that no. time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess for those that don't remember that, there was a, it's it's kind of eerie some of the similarities. There was a Black mm-hmm. History speaker there, actually from Andrews. I think it was wasn't it Corey Johnson? It was Corey Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he's in the seminary. Yeah, yeah, and he came and he went down to Southern for you know this Black History event. And for those that aren't familiar with that situation, I'm sure they could probably Google it, and some articles will pop up that were written. Mm-hmm. Um, there there were I guess there was some I forget the name I think it was a yik yak it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a anonymous instant messaging site and there were students sending messages that were very inflammatory very racist and it obviously like there were screenshots of it on social media and that caused I guess southern to kind of go through um the process that they're going through now and I haven't 
kept, I guess, as close of an eye on it since because I think they had like a chapel. I want, I, I want to mm-hmm. say, and their mm-hmm. their president made some statements, and um, I'm assuming they've been doing some things from there. But I, I guess, given your connection to Southern, and I'm sure as that was happening, you were following it very closely. I'm sure you were in touch with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, did you or were there things that you learned in watching that process that kind of helped you? And then I'll give some more context for the Andrews thing in a second. But as things started happening at Andrews, did that kind of help you in thinking about what to do um, when something similar happened on the campus there? Hmm. Hmm. I you know, I have to say, I don't think that any of the people involved with the with the video that we'll talk about in a bit mm-hmm. here at Andrews. I'm not sure if any of us had thought through what we do in this situation right Mm. i don't think we've given it that much um forethought you know and and forecasting kind of thing Mm -hmm. as it relates to the situation at southern with the yik yak and the racist posts i mean um they had you know it was a kind of popular to do the blackout day last last year that was kind of a, a popular social media thing where Black people are posting pictures of their melanin all over the mm-hmm. internet. Right. And in this beautiful, well, at Southern, there was, there was a whiteout, you know, mm. hashtag whiteout happening. Uh, There's a lot of tension um, yeah. as it relates to Black History Month and, necess- and the necessity of Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of this is leading up to, these are things that are happening on social media all February 2016. So this is all mm. leading up to what seemed to be the culmination of this frustration Mm. um, all happening Friday night when Corey comes and he speaks. Mm -hmm. And my biggest takeaway from that is something that myself and friends of mine had been saying, some black students at Southern, we've been commenting on the fact that blackness and really any um, display of culture outside of the majority culture mm-hmm. is not normalized at at Southern. Hmm. It's just not it's it's not the norm. So that when when we have the one BCU, the Black Christian Union, when they when they take over Vespers for that Friday night during for Black like, for like Month, the one time, the yeah. one time, yeah, right, <laughs> the one time they take over. Uh-huh. People are just flustered. They're, they don't know what to do. And, mm. and while I am frustrated at those individuals, I have to be frustrated at the system that produced those individuals, yeah. right? The system that refuses to normalize mm-hmm. blackness. Right. So it's really just a novelty. It's mm-hmm. really just a one-off. Yeah. And when you're encountering these novelty one-off um, situations, it, it's going to be hard to digest. Yeah. You've never been, some of those students have never been told that it's okay to worship that way. Right. That it's okay to express yourself that way. That mm-hmm. it's okay even um, to celebrate one's culture. Right. Um, and, and so I guess that kind of gets into a, a more nuanced conversation. But, uh-huh. but, but taking that experience that Southern went through and, and having been in that institution for so long and kind of navigating it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that Andrews, um, is kind of, has, has kind of been working through some similar waters in that, that while we really, um, we're so, 
we promote the fact that we are diverse. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the expression of that diversity and the nuances that come along with that diversity has truly been normalized. Right. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. And so that's the, that's the similarity that I was kind of hinting at earlier mm-hmm. um, between the two. So, yeah. No, that, that's that's a great way to put it, man. Um, and, and I even I've been reflecting on it. I, I even reflected on it a lot actually yesterday. I'll share a quick thing with you. Mm-hmm. I, I went to, um, there's a church right down the street from us here in, in Plainsboro, which is close to where my wife pastors in Princeton. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're a Christian Missionary Alliance church. So, you know, of course they have services on Sundays. It's a huge church. Mm-hmm. They have three services. Um, a friend of ours um, is a is a um, youth pastor there and his wife leads worship there. And, and they're a younger couple. Um, you know, really nice people. Uh, we joined us. We, whenever, whenever Tatiana and I go somewhere, we always try to find community and just like a local church where we can just kind of go and nobody knows us and we can just, you know, be ourselves. Cause you know mm-hmm. that, you know how important that is, you know, in mm-hmm. our Adventist bubble, it can yeah. be very hard to get that. So yeah. just ironically, the timing of this is so crazy. They happen to have uh, a service yesterday on racial reconciliation. They're working through the book of Ephesians. And when they came to chapters two and three, um, the themes that they saw in it most clearly was this issue of race. And they talked about like in chapter two, some of the issues with the Jews and the Gentiles and, and that kind of poured into chapter three as well. So they decided to use that to talk about this issue of race. Now the church Again, it reminded me of Andrews because it's extremely multicultural. I mean, they have people mm-hmm. there from all over the world. Plainsboro itself is a really diverse community in itself. Mm-hmm. But as you can probably guess, the, the worship style is is um, primarily Eurocentric. You know, mm-hmm. the most of the pastors are white. The music is majority white. And so that, that frames a lot of what's happening w- with those discussions. Mm-hmm. And... There were some good things that came out of it, but the thing that really struck me was just because of the fact that it was everything was being done through that prism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just reminded me so much, uh, kind of, of my experience growing up in Andrews because we've had these discussions so much, and and, it, and kind of tying into what you're talking about. But because of the fact that you know we were just having like a Black History Sabbath once a year, mm-hmm. and that that worship style hadn't been normalized. It hadn't been accepted. It was the novelty that you're talking about. It never really had the intended effect of bringing us closer together. So then yesterday I'm at this uh, service they had and I could tell that they were really trying, but just for example, they, they were trying to deal specifically with the black white issue and they had a panel and they had, there was the white lead pastor. He's an older guy, maybe in his fifties or sixties and he moderated a discussion with two black members and then a white police officer who'd been serving mm. in. And so you are, you already, <laughs> you already kind of know where this is going, bro. And so when they, when they introduced themselves and then he introduced himself last and he's talking about how he's been a cop for 30 years and all this different stuff. And it was like after he, cause he, he asked everyone to tell something about themselves or their resume. And mm-hmm. He kind of went through, he'd been serving in, you know, as a state trooper for like 40 years. And when he was done giving his resume, it was like the church gave him like an ovation. So it was just kind of like, 
all right, this is already being kind of framed mm-hmm. in a weird way. And and the two yeah. the two African American guys that spoke, I mean, I think they were good. They shared they shared some experiences that they had, some encounters they had with police. Um, the the officer kind of made an apology, but it, it was one of those things where he was like, "I'm sorry that that happened to you, but I've never done something like that." So that was kind of mm-hmm. you know, it, it's those it's those half hearted apologies that we've seen yep. a lot of. Um, and so I talked to my friend and his wife about it afterwards. And, you know, one thing I was encouraged by is that the pastor did say, we're, we're going to continue this conversation. Um, you know, but then my friend was sharing with me, he actually shared me some of the emails that had been written to him and some of the rest of the staff and people were heated. And so it's, it's, they're handling it in a very delicate way, but it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, I've I've kind of seen this story before, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, yeah. But it was it was kind of refreshing to see that you know this is a this is a um, an issue. Obviously, we know it's an issue that's going on everywhere. But there's lots of churches that are trying to navigate these waters, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's tough to get it right when you're half stepping. You know, that, mm-hmm. that, that, was, that was really the main takeaway. Mm-hmm. So, kind of with that, I'll transition into what's been happening at Andrews, man. And I guess for those who I do have some listeners that aren't Adventists, so it's possible they haven't heard about what's been happening. So I'll give a little context. If you are Adventist, unless you've been under a rock, you probably know <laughs> about what we're going to be talking about, but I want to hear from you basically what some of the prompting was for the video. Cause the story, I, I'll, I guess I'll put out the general story. The general story basically is, um, I guess it was maybe three Thursdays ago, I want to say now. You guys had a Black History Chapel, and uh, uh, Pastor Jamie Callisar, who's a pastor out in Dallas, um, came, and he was the speaker that morning. And he he, pre- he presented a sermon, and he actually posted the transcript of it so people can read it. Um, but at the time, I'll, I'll tell you kind of what I heard at the time, and you can kind of mm-hmm. clarify. The, the message I got from someone is, uh, yo, yo, Jamie was speaking at Andrews and he said that if, if anyone voted for Trump, they're a racist. <laughs> and he just said that at chapel, man. Like, it's crazy. And I was like, uh, you know, and I know Jamie and I was like, I mean, Jamie, he, I mean, he speaks truth to power, but that sounds a little bit strong to me. Yeah, so, right. So right. that was kind of, I guess, what started some of the controversy that stirred up. So first of all, I guess maybe before I go further, because I'm, I'm assuming you were at the chapel. And and, um, so when you heard Jamie deliver his sermon, did you expect there to be, first of all, how, how did you kind of hear what he said? And and what did you hear things that you thought may stir up some controversy? Or did you think like, yeah, that was a little strong, but you know, obviously you probably didn't have a problem with it. Like, did you expect there to be so much, I guess, backlash from some of the white students or other students who were offended? Yeah, I guess I want to start by by saying that I recognize that the majority actually I've been kind of having I've been trying to have difficult conversations um, with Trump supporters specifically mm-hmm. um, since the beginning of the school year. It's kind mm-hmm. of just been something I was interested in, kind of yeah. humanizing them just a little bit. And I've met a few, even here at Andrews, a few uh, Latino and Hispanic um, 
Trump supporters. Wow. So I'll start there by yeah. saying that yeah. there the spectrum is 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 large sure. and, it, and it goes across ethnic boundaries. Um, the students that I knew of specifically who had an issue with what Jamie was saying um, were the ones that I knew of specifically, not saying there weren't more, but the ones who I knew they were white um, conservative mm -hmm. um, students. So in uh, many of the, the conversations I've had with other people, they've characterized these as white students who had an issue with what Jamie was saying. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that is mostly true. I just want to concede that there were likely other individuals, sure. other ethnic groups who had an issue with it. Right. Mm -hmm. The day of when I, I was there and I'm listening to Jamie, uh, Dr. Kalasar uh, yeah. speak. And and he is I mean, he is really doing that whole truth to power thing yeah. very, very well. Yeah. I mean, he's he's speaking unfiltered, unadulterated, unashamed. Yeah. He's just going in about the the issues that are plaguing our nation on a moral and ethical level. Mm -hmm. Right. He's calling the church to social justice advocacy. Right. Yeah. And I think those things are powerful. And here's my soapbox. I, Jamie spoke about social justice. And unfortunately, it has been turned into partisan speech, right? Yeah. Where if you are speaking about the truth of social justice as it relates to something that a Democrat is doing or something that a Republican is doing, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you're being partisan and political. Right. And I think that that is a gross mischaracterization of what he was saying. Um, he, unfortunately, and this is from my perspective, uh, Donald Trump, our president, says things that many have deemed to be racist or deemed to be hate speech. Yeah. Um, and then to, so the hate speech exists here and then the individual says the hateful thing. And then if someone comes around and criticizes the hateful thing, yeah, they are said to be being political when it actually has nothing to do with yeah. the individual's party or right. their affiliation. It doesn't even have to do as much with their position. It, it has everything to do with the fact that they're saying hateful things that mm -hmm. are just wrong. And I'm going to speak out against that wrong thing. Mm -hmm. um, and this is just, and, and that's just, that's the context of this whole situation. Right. Uh, Pastor Dr. Jamie Kalasar um, was speaking on social justice issues that related directly to Donald Trump specifically and those who have um, sought to repeal um, the Affordable Care Act mm -hmm. that's helping individuals who need um, health care or those who have cut back on welfare, even though there are starving mouths. Right. And it was interpreted as... Um, partisan speech. I actually was standing next to Pastor Kalasar as a student came up to him and said to him directly, he asks him the question, so are you trying to say that I can't be Republican and Adventist at the same time? Oh my goodness. And 
uh, Pastor Kalisar answers that question. I mean, he he really he really distills his message back down to being one on morality and ethic, saying that Christians just can't support the things that are going on. Right. Um, the things that this specific individual, speaking of our president, um, is doing as Christians, we just can't support those things. Mm-hmm. I'm not at all saying that you can't be Republican and be an Adventist. And I think the question um, speaks to kind of the genesis of this rumor mm-hmm. um, that that Dr. Kalisar said that people can't be Christian and Advent or it can't be a Christian and, and a Donald Trump supporter or that all Donald Trump supporters or Republicans are racist. Mm-hmm. That rumor, I believe, started there and, and amongst some of the other students who heard that. And then the second thing is, I think that that question um, really kind of proves that he didn't say it. You know, right. he never said those words. Exactly. That's why you have to ask. Right. You know, right. Um, that's why you're trying. You, you have to frame it that way as mm-hmm. a question. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where all of this began, mm-hmm. um, that chapel. Um, and at the same time, I recognize that sometimes it's not about what you say, but about what people are hearing. Mm-hmm. And I think to, you know, to be fair, that that has to be acknowledged, that yeah. sometimes people hear things that you don't say. Right. And sometimes it's what you didn't say that gets people upset. Right. Like if Jamie had yeah. said everything that he said and then at the end he said, I'm not saying everyone's racist, perhaps we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. Um, I, but I think that it, it's unfortunate that someone has to go that far when speaking more on moral or morality and on um, ethics. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's a a good framing for this. Uh, And, and another thing I wanted to ask you kind of connected to that, because you, you did mention that you're trying to have these conversations, even specifically you personally with Donald Trump supporters on campus. And one of the questions I'd have for you is um, one thing that I've noticed. and, And I think, Sometimes social media can be a terrible um, barometer for mm-hmm. these types of discussions, but but oftentimes, depending on how some people use it, you can really get an insight into how they're thinking and feeling. Something that I've noticed, even in just like the general media sphere, is that there's this heightened sensitivity amongst Trump supporters where they feel like now they're they're being persecuted, and so it's mm-hmm. almost like. I kind of I joke with a friend like so many things have been appropriated from black people that now they're appropriating the civil rights movement from us, too. You know, what I mean, like like there was this picture of Betsy DeVos that was like co-opted to look like the the famous Ruby Bridges picture. And it's just like, Uh, okay, guys. So uh, my my question to you is like what, what the main thing I've noticed is it seems like even if. Kind of like what you're saying, you say something around the issue that kind of alludes to the question of um, basically, I'd love to ask someone directly, not necessarily that it's impossible for them to be a Christian or an Adventist or whatever they label themselves and a Trump supporter. I just kind of want to know what the reasons are for their support. So it's like if you say anything around that period it kind of turns into you ask, it kind of turns into you, like you asking the question is almost like them hearing you make the conclusion that mm-hmm. it's impossible for you to do that. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, mm-hmm. 
you know, my experience at Andrews, the first time I voted in 2008 was for President Obama and being on campus and being involved with, you know, getting out the vote with some some friends of mine and stuff. Uh I had a friend of mine on a couple episodes ago, actually right after Trump was elected, and we kind of reminisced on the Obama days and, you know, trying to get out the vote in Benton Harbor and stuff like that. But one Mm -hmm. of the big things I remember is lots of conservative people coming up to me and saying, how can you support this Obama guy, you know, we don't even know if he was born here and just all this crazy, this crazy nonsense that actually ironically Trump was like connected to. It's amazing. And and I remember, you know, was that frustrating? It probably was because a lot of those things I felt weren't really um, genuine critiques, but Mm -hmm. in the midst of that, we still had to kind of have that dialogue and say, look, if you want to know why I support president Obama, this is why. And I, and I, for eight years, basically, have had those discussions. And it seems to me like there's this unwillingness, you know, for them to have that dialogue and they'd rather just view everything as like a liberal attack. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question for you is, have you in those conversations that you've had with Trump supporters, have you tried to ask them that question? And and have you been able to get a good sense for that? Or, or has that been like a nuclear kind of thing to ask or have you been able to really even have some dialogue on that yeah yeah i actually have been able to have some some decent dialogue on that uh there's a few different there there are a few different perspectives that i hear most often um i have a couple of individuals who i've been become associated with through this process Mm -hmm. um that now we're connected on social media i see them around campus and and we we talk from time to time but i'm mostly following them on social media for their perspective you know to step outside of my own silo which Mm -hmm. i think is probably very um liberal leaning Mm -hmm. um and uh, one of the the students who is a white male student here at Andrews, his perspective, his reasoning for his Donald Trump support through the election and now as president is directly related to his Second Amendment rights um, mm-hmm. and him being pro-choice or I mean, pro-life, pro-life, pro-life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those those things were huge for him and he wanted a. Supreme Court justice who would likely protect those things mm-hmm. specifically. Um, the the young lady who I've met here, um, who is a Mexican uh, young woman mm-hmm. and a Donald Trump supporter, her her support is almost entirely based out of the fact that she comes from a military family mm-hmm. and just did not trust um, Secretary Clinton to. Wow to protect her family and mm. protect those values. Sure. Um, did not trust her track record mm. at all and thought that Donald Trump was their best hope. Mm. So it becomes, it, the people become much more human, right. you know, through that lens and, right. and through that process. And it, and it becomes much more nuanced right. and, and, and almost difficult to come against because right. honestly, secretary Clinton does have a shady record, yeah. right. Or, yeah. and, and if you do prioritize two a and, and you do pro prioritize pro-life, I, while mm. I might think that other things deserve a higher priority, sure. you know, um, I cannot, you know, legitimately say that, that, that Hillary Clinton was your candidate. No, by no, by no means. Right. Um, so it, the process has been helpful to humanize the other side for me 
Um, and then taking that con- those conversations and trying to scale them um, to something that's more campus wide has mm-hmm. been a something that I've been trying to to push for, where we can have forums, maybe even debate style forums, sure. where individuals of, of two differing perspectives um, can dialogue on an issue. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that, that there's really no other place positioned as well as Andrews is positioned, especially within our church, yeah. um, to host an event like that, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I think it's important for people to have that context from you in light mm-hmm. of what we're about to talk about right now, because I think that after you guys made the video that you made, Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have you talk about this a little more. I'm sure there's been there's been lots of character characterizations. I'm sure of who you are and who the other folks in that video are, and it definitely wouldn't be someone who's trying to bridge the gap with a Trump voter. You know, I, <laughs> I, I can pretty I can almost be certain that that's not <laughs> what <Yeah>. the characterization <laughs> has been. And but the but the fact that. Way before, you know, this this It Is Time AU video was made, I knew that you were trying to have these kinds of dialogues and tough conversations and having that context um, helped me in viewing, you know, the video or taking it more seriously, even before I knew more about why you guys did it. Because in my head, I was like, no, I mean, you know. Garrison's not like a, you know, for lack of a better term, he's not like a Black Panther or something out right, here, just right. like straight black <laughs> nationalist. Like, yeah. you know, he's very woke, but he's not like an unreasonable guy. But right, you know, right. people see a black a black uh, a black face saying certain things on the video, and they're going to automatically feel away. So anyway, so I'll move it forward a little bit more. So Jamie gave that chapel talk, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the the murmuring started. So and then he. I believe he wrote a letter which he read the next night when he spoke at like the Friday night event mm-hmm, that you guys had, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily apology. I think, you, you know, I think he kind of more was was saying that, you know, I'm I'm sorry if you were offended, but this is why I said what I said. and was mm-hmm. just a lot more clear and direct mm-hmm. on it. And fast forwarding a little bit more, you know, there was more people kind of making a fuss about things and um so the next week, Thursday chapel, uh, and, and there's been some discrepancy on this as well. I, but, but from what I've gathered, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, at that next Thursday chapel, the provost, um, Kristen Arthur, um, delivered somewhat of an apology for folks that were offended by things that, uh, that, that Pastor Jamie said when he, when he came the week before. And many have pointed to the fact that the the university, particularly having someone at that level, the provost, like second in command, pretty much one week after there were complaints by certain students under potentially, you know, you know, dubious reasoning. You know, I don't want to completely discount it. Um, I would have to speak to some of them probably more directly to understand why exactly they were offended. Mm-hmm. But from the outside looking in, it seemed to me that, you know, Maybe it, it could merit some sort of a statement potentially, but not that formal of apology in, in such a public um, mm-hmm. stance. And that's what many have pointed to as kind of the impetus for you guys making the video. So 
I want to talk to you about that. Would you would you say that that's a fair characterization as to why you guys did what you did and and what I guess was the thought process behind it? Like, how did you get the group together that you got together? Just kind of bring me into that whole kind of thought process. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thursday, the apology. Um, that Thursday, the apology was 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 given um, and. Um, I think to to give uh, Dr. Arthur a fair shake, I don't mm-hmm. I think that that he if he could go back and do it again, I think he'd be much more specific, you know, about what he was apologizing for. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at at the time to hear him apologizing um, about whatever it was that was happening um mm-hmm. at Thursday Chapel at the, at the Thursday Chapel before and the fact that people were offended um it was confusing and it felt for many of the students involved and many of the students um on on campus specifically minority students um black students it felt as if he um, was prioritizing the sentiments and feelings of some over the empowerment of others. Mm. Uh, Dr. Kalisar did not just he, he, his messages was were were directly related to social justice um, and directly related to black empowerment. Mm-hmm. So this this mixture of the two um, was refreshing, I'd say, in a black context. I mean, in, a, in an Adventist context for yeah. for black students, it's not something that we're used to receiving. That kind of unashamed, unabashed um, uh, affirmation. So yeah. then, for the for the week, so that's the that's the spirit that we're all kind of operating out of. Like, man, like like this guy just completely like he affirmed us for being us, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Like we're not all week. like we're not all crazy. You know exactly, I mean? yeah. exactly. We're we're not crazy, and 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 we are important. You know, and yeah. these are the things that are important to hear um, from that stage, and yeah. and and it's not being said um, often, if ever. So mm-hmm. the very next week, for there to be an apology given to those who are offended, it's it's. It's alarming. It's catching it catches catches you off guard. Yeah. So this group of students come together and decide um, that there needs to be a response to that made something that um, the, the, the sentiment is that they prioritize the feelings of um what we believe to be what we believe to be a majority white conservative you know the the, con- the conservative white feelings of some mm-hmm. were prioritized over the empowerment of others and yeah. that is the um <clears throat> the the impetus the the straw that broke the camel's back whatever you want to call it but yeah. that is the that's the the thrust that that kind of birth the, the desire to make some kind of response, make some kind of ask of our administration. Um, I think for, for many students, it felt like a break from, um, from it felt like a, a break of trust, a breach of trust, mm. where can we even trust you guys to pour into us is kind of the question that's beginning to form there. Yeah. Um, so our asks 
were all designed around a few different things, but specifically, how can we benefit our university a, a, as a whole? But specifically, how can we build uh, trust between our administration and the black community, the minority community here on campus? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I just, because I think it's important to, to, um, I, I guess for you know for those who were in the video, I definitely do want to acknowledge who they were. I think it's important mm-hmm. for us to do that, um, and you can fill in probably the names that I that I don't know because I didn't know everyone mm-hmm. in the video. Okay. Of course, yourself, Chaplain Michael Polite, um, my girl Angie, my my barber. When I whenever mm-hmm. I'm in the Andrews area, Angie Powell's. I know she was in there. Uh, Warren Gillum from 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 England. I know he was mm-hmm. in there. And I believe one young lady, I don't think I've met her, but, but her name's been floating around. I think her name was Esther Battle. Esther Battle. Esther Battle. Yeah. And then who else am I missing? Um, there okay. was Leah Wooten, um, okay. who's a freshman. Ben Lee, also a freshman here at, at Andrews. Um, Janelle Monroe, okay. uh, former BSCF president. Um, Joy Chikwekwe, who mm-hmm. is a calm grad student here at Andrews. And um, I really want to make sure I'm not missing anyone, but I but I think that's it. I it's wish not, we were counting. It like I think was that because there were nine of you. I want to say nine right? nine I, students plus, plus uh, chaplain, chaplain polite. polite. Yeah. Okay. And I so think that, I really hope that we're not missing anyone. Yeah. We'll, Charge it to to my head. Not my yeah. Heart. But I think we I think we got everyone. And and so I guess my next question is because well one of the. One of the things, I guess I'll ask this first. One of the things mm-hmm. that a lot of people have asked, and I'm sure it's been asked of you, um, a lot of people wanted to know why you guys decided to go straight to the the social media route or the mm-hmm. video route. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like whenever you do something, everybody is going to name the seven things that they think you should have done. So that's, mm-hmm. that's always kind of going to be the thing. But now that I guess you've maybe had some time to think about it, uh, why did you guys decide to go, I guess, straight to what some people maybe thought was like the nuclear option, like mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you you were going for the you weren't trying to hit the single. You were trying to hit the grand slam like you were, right, right. <laughs> you were trying to go all, go for broke. And, yeah, um, yeah. and so so why did, I guess did you guys decide to go to that level as opposed to maybe let's try to have a meeting or I don't know, some other measured mm-hmm. approach or I guess, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair question. Um, for the students involved, for the individuals involved, um, we have all been made aware of these same grievances be, ha, being brought to administration um, for literally, my friend, literally decades, yeah. right? Where um, both current students and alumni have made efforts to connect um, with our administration here at Andrews and ask for ask for these very things excuse me Mm -hmm. um and it felt you know as a as a group we felt that if we wanted to get different uh results um Mm -hmm. perhaps we should but use different methodology and um and that was what we chose we we prayed over it and we, we really wrestled with it logistically Mm-hmm. Um, to to see if this would be our best option, and the group with the information that we had at the time and this, the 
the sentiments that, that we all shared, we felt that this was our best option mm. to to make a statement and to connect um, our networks um, mm. of, of current students and alumni um, to make a collective statement for our administration to respond to. No, I definitely respect that. And one other thing that came to my mind is um, I, I was one of, one of the things that it, it was almost, I, I guess I'll say this, when, when I first saw the video and, and when I saw you guys in it, first of all, I was touched by the passion of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was also, and, and I'm not blowing smoke when I say this, but just, just because of the fact that, um, you know, I we've obviously talked about some of the history of things that happened with Andrews, and I have mm-hmm. a little bit of context for where you guys were at or what you felt. It was really kind of touching and moving for me to kind of finally see a group of students, because I know how you guys felt, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. to see you guys um, – to see you guys really just say, you know what, like enough is enough. And kind of like what you said, like, you know, understanding that for decades people have been fed up, you know, with with this type of behavior, or almost just like this dismissiveness to it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, I'll, I'll just be real, like before I even, I was like, man, I don't even really care about the, the specifics of what they said is the fact that they were like, yo, y'all got one week. This is an ultimatum, <laughs> like. We need you to do something about this. And I was just like, yo, I'm with it. Like, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but then, of course, I was like, OK, well, you know, because people, they want to try and critique it and stuff. So I was like, all right, let me watch it again. Mm-hmm. But I was like, nah, I still feel all right with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was still good with it. Right. And, you know, but but I I instantly thought of Chaplain Polite and I haven't been able to talk to me. I know it's probably been crazy for him. I haven't even tried mm-hmm. to reach mm-hmm. out to him for real. But. And the reason I thought of that is because, of course, my dad was the chaplain right before mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad served from 1998 up until a couple of years ago when Chaplain Polite came and um, almost kind of unofficially as the black chaplain, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not called that, but we know what it is. Right. And right. Um, when I saw him in the video, <laughs> I was scared for him, man, because mm-hmm. I figured like, man, well, this joint is going viral. He's mm-hmm. about to be in the hot seat, you know, just knowing some of the politics of the place. I mean, I know the administration's a little different now, and we're going to talk about that because and, and we'll get into their response. But at that point, I was just like, man, like, I hope this doesn't go left, man. Like, I really hope that, you know, he's really OK. So mm-hmm. and I know you can't necessarily speak for him, but but was that part of in your discussions with him and being a part of it, was that something that he even talked to you guys about? Or do you think that's something that you all contemplated as to what maybe, and not just for him, it was risky for all you guys to do it. I mean, you're a student there, you know, and you guys are all students. You're, you're all pursuing, you know, these higher, you know, this is higher education, these degrees. And, um, you know, obviously you being in ministry, um, and we talked about Adventism being a small bubble and the fact that maybe not everybody loved what you did. Um, I'm sure you all had to kind of process maybe what the risks were. Um, but I just kind of naturally gravitated to thinking of him because I was like, man, I, I don't know how scared I'd be if, I, if that was my dad who was in the video like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
yeah, yeah. enough heat just going the, the measured approach. So right, is that right. something that you guys talked about at all? Yeah, yeah, we did talk through that from time to time. I think that one of the things that um, as we were planning, as we were about to preparing to shoot it, you know, finalizing the script and, and mm-hmm. what, you know, we wanted to say in this in this video it's one of the things that we took time to to just process through um, yeah. best case scenario, worst case scenario, you know, yeah. and and I man, I have to be honest, dude, like his his bravery, you know, I, I, I think the bravery of every student in that video is yeah. incredibly inspiring. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we're talking about people going who, who really want to to do some denominational uh, work right. and denominational leadership one yeah. day. And, and and these are things that we're thinking about. I mean, incredible, incredible, incredible bravery yeah. to to be a part of that. Um, but I um, I am, am, am moved by mm. the bravery of someone who's literally already in there. Right. Who man, who has everything it feels. I mean, you know, God will provide, but it yeah. feels like you have everything to lose, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm inspired by Chaplain Michael Polite and mm. I saw um your status and and some comments on on your status about the work that, that your dad did, Doctor mm. Tim Nixon, that that led up to the momentum or yeah. you know, kind of set the groundwork for there to be a chaplain with the grit that uh yeah. and, and the holy boldness you know and, and that bravery that the polite is carrying he's taking that mantle you yeah. know and carrying it for yeah. it. it's inspiring it's incredibly inspiring um but we did think through those things and i know that that was on his his you know chaplain polite um his wife lorraine mm-hmm. um works here at the university as well mm-hmm. so you know there's just a there's a lot to think through you know yeah he, so i I, I know that that was something that he thought on a lot, and we talked about it as a group as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but just inspired by the bravery, man. Absolutely, man. No, that that definitely is something that's not to be taken lightly. For every single no. one of you, man, it's it's really um, just that kind of holy boldness. And obviously, you know, we know that the spirit of God was behind all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but um, there. That that's not to minimize the, the human reality that you know mm-hmm. there could potentially be some risk and some consequences. So that's not to be minimized. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so you guys released the video, and right. there's of course reactions. Mm-hmm. There, there's reactions. There's people coming from all different angles of this. Um, so I guess let's first talk about I get I guess the and. A friend of my, a friend of mine that I went to school with actually Jonathan Jacobs, who was scheduled to speak when yeah. when you guys had the chapel this past Thursday, which is kind of the conclusion. He wrote a he wrote a blog about the comment section, and so mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you about the social media reaction because you know I, what I noticed kind of scrolling through it, and it's it was really playing out on your wall because I'm pretty sure like it was like. Chaplain Polite posted it on his wall, but it was the video was on your Facebook account. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, so I know that. I mean, you probably c- 
couldn't even have read all them comments if you tried to read all of them because yeah. it was lit on there, yeah. boy. I was like, man, I hope, I hope this dude, I hope Garrison turned his notifications off or something because his joint is blowing up right now. And, and it was, like, again, it was positive and negative. It was all kind of polarizing from what mm-hmm. I saw. There wasn't a lot of people really in the middle on this, so... I guess why don't you talk a little bit about that? I mean, what were some of the whether it was maybe social media or through email or text? What were some what were some of the positive reflections that really touched you, and then maybe some of the negative that really kind of stuck with you because you're kind of in this waiting process now. You know, you've given the university one week, and you know, and you're and you're kind of thinking like, okay, you know, it's in, it's in God's hands now, and you're just kind of watching in the comment section, this, this dialogue happening, what, what was some of your reaction to the positive and the negative? Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I, I did not turn off the notifications oh, on that mercy. video. So <laughs> mercy. my phone, there was a little period there where it was, there were notifications were coming in so frequently that my phone was getting warm. Like it was, yeah. it was like, it was working. Like, I'm, like my phone's getting hot in my hand. Oh like, my good grief! Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that's from all of the Facebook. I mean, there were over two thousand comments on the wow. video itself, and wow. over two thousand shares. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, I got many, many, uh, maybe a couple of hundred messages um, oh on on Facebook from people that I did not, that I haven't, I don't know. Right. Um, so I'm getting lots of personal messages, um, some of affirmation, some, um, of criticism. Mm. And, and then of course, I feel like everyone who has my number personally texted me, you know, like everybody. (laughs) I I was one of those people. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I feel like if the person had my number, I've heard from them in the last week, you know, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, so, so lots of, of, of things kind of coming down the pipeline. Uh-huh. Um, and there were times where I just completely checked out, you know, and put my phone to the side yeah. and, and I didn't worry about it, which was very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had a conversation with another friend that I know you're, you know him, um, mm-hmm. Kevin Wilson. Mm. who's a really, really good friend of mine. And we were talking about the binary nature Mm. of uh, of the response. It was you were either a zero or you are one. And for anyone, I mean, the the handful of people who found themselves at like a 0.5 or 0.7, the handful of individuals in that middle ground were then responded to in a yeah. <laughs> in a way right by like, the zero like, or the one yeah right yeah. exactly yeah. so yeah. it was so it was such an interesting look and and I would love to go back and study that you know yeah. one day I don't know if I'll ever have time or mm. ever have the energy yeah. to go through that mm. um, but uh, coming from coming from the South, I, I, like I said, I'm an Atlanta, Georgia boy. I mm-hmm. know racism. Like, yeah. I know it, you know. Yeah. I know it when I see it. I know it when I smell it. Right. Um, so the racism, there there were lots of, there, there was a lot of explicit racism in the comment section. Yeah. But there was also the subtle stuff. Absolutely. And, and, and I saw that as well. 
Um, so I'm not going to say that I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I was maybe I wasn't expecting for people to be as bold as bold. Mm. Um, and 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 I, I seeing I, th- I think that's my my main reflection from the comment section, right? From that yeah. whole the social media buzz of it is that we are oftentimes boldly <laughs> opinionated yeah. um and and that's nice it's it's beautiful yeah um but we are also sometimes just very boldly wrong right mm. like we are just like indignantly wrong about yeah. things yeah i mean i i saw people calling us i've gotten i got messages personally but but i also saw people in the comment section and on other websites um, calling us de- demons, demon possessed, uh, saying that we um, were that that Ellen White warned of end time persecution, and that we were a part of that. We were the ones wow. at the end of time persecuting the church and <laughs> <laughs> characterizing us as agents of Satan under oh, demonic um, uh, influence. That that. Like literally different individuals coming to that conclusion yeah. was alarming. I mean, it was alarming to, yeah. to think that people that the prophetic um, things that that my parents and church members would preach was going to come, and then to hear that that I'm that that's <laughs> that's, that's what this is. This was goodness. not yeah. that, this was not a hope for equality and for fair treatment. This was not us coming against the spiritual wickedness of white supremacy yeah this was us being led by the enemy of souls oh my goodness <laughs> to, uh, to distract and to yeah. tear down god's true church i thought wow. that was crazy and and what it did for me was it called me to a greater humility mm. um which is what i would ask of them right i'll just say yeah. I, I would ask of this the people who disagreed vehemently with what we did to consider to just consider that maybe maybe we were being led by God, right? Yeah. And, and there's a humility that comes from saying that, hey, I might be wrong. I yeah. might be wrong. And I'm called to take that posture myself yeah. in saying that, Lord, like we believe that we were acting in your name, but please, God, have mercy and grace upon us if we were not. Yeah. Like recognizing that, man, humility calls me to admit that I am a human being and I'm fallible. Yeah. So, Lord, that's exactly why grace exists, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, if pride goes before a fall, I think humility precipitates grace, right? Mm. Like, it's just those yeah. things are incredibly connected. Yeah. So, I want to take a, a position of humility in any conversation on something that I know I'm personally polarized on. Like, yeah. I know I feel this is the way to go no matter what. Well, right. let me also check myself. Sure. And have a bit of humility mixed in there, so that God can can extend grace to me, and mm-hmm. so I can be a, 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 a like a, an open receiver of great God's grace. So anyway, that, that's that's uh, that's the thing that really stood out the most to me in this whole comment fiasco. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm gonna be quick. I hope you enjoyed part one of my discussion with Garrison. I'm looking forward to releasing part two to share with you. We're going to talk about the school's response in detail and what um, they decided to do going forward in the video that they made to respond to the video that Garrison 
and the fellow students and Chaplain Polite made. So you definitely don't want to miss him talking about the powerful chapel that they had on February 23rd as the university president made remarks and then released a video which responded to their request. So please stay tuned for that. I'll be releasing part two very soon. So look out for it on our Facebook page, The Ingredients Podcast, or check out my personal website, www.michaeltnixon.com. If you have a question or some insight or some things that you wanted to ask me about, feel free to leave a review and rate the podcast on iTunes, and I'll feel free to uh, get back in touch with you or send me an email on ingredientspodcast at gmail.com. So looking forward to talking to you again soon as we release episode nine, part two of my discussion with Garrison Hayes. Take care.